You're listening to the River City Church Podcast. Our desire is that you know Jesus, experience freedom, find community, and discover purpose. For more information, check us out on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co. Here's the message. Today, we are in part three of the impossible. Part three of the impossible. Week one, we talked about worry and the importance of not worrying. I saw this quote this week that I I wish I had heard before I did that message. I love this. It says that, uh, here's the thing, with worry, we're not thinking, it's not just thinking about tomorrow, but it's about trying to control it. Uh, And how many know you can't control the future, but you can trust the one who's leading the way. You can trust the one who's, in fact, he's already there. He's already making a way for you. So that's why we trust him instead of worry. Uh, we're looking at faith through this series. And last week we talked about the promise of God, the promise of God. And, and, and God's a promise maker and keeper. He's one that fulfills his word and he does what he says he'll do. Our theme verse for this whole series has been Genesis chapter 18, verse 14, is anything too hard for God? Is anything too hard for God? And if you miss part one and two, I'm going to fill you in. No, nothing is too hard for God. Nothing is too hard for your God. In fact, he specializes in the impossible. He specializes in moving mountains, raising the dead, opening blind eyes, uh, transforming cities and nations. He's, he's the God who, for whom there's nothing impossible. And uh, we looked at Genesis 18 last week of the story where God came to Abraham and Sarah after they had received a promise 20 years before, and now God was showing up to to, to fulfill that promise. But we're actually going to go back 20 years today to look at the moment where God gave that promise. And the message, if you're taking notes, is pray the impossible. Pray the impossible. Uh, I don't, you know, one of the things I've tried to, to stay consistent through the series in is uh, recognize that faith is not just, you know, faith isn't about the process. It's not about the how, how God's going to do it, how God's going to answer that prayer or fulfill his word. But it is in the who. And many times, even godly, well-meaning people get discouraged because their faith is more based on the how. And and often it looks like me telling God how he's going to do it. And if he doesn't do it my way, and especially in my time, then I can get discouraged. But faith is not about the how, it's about the who. Because God often does things very different than I would have, but they're always better. He sees what I don't see. And God answers prayer and he fulfills promises, but our faith is in the who. Uh, That's why you've got to get to know the God who formed the heavens and the earth. You know, they say that within the Milky Way galaxy, our galaxy, there's uh, something like 100,000 million stars. That's a bigger number than I can comprehend. And, and, And it's within... The visible universe, that means what we can see with things like the Hubble telescope and what we can see, they recognize there's at least 100 billion galaxies full of millions of stars. And beyond that, they're estimating now it could be as many as two and three trillion galaxies. Why do I say that? Because the Bible says, your Bible says that God formed the heavens and the earth and didn't even break a sweat. Your God measures the heavens with the span of his hand, that, that while the, the, the creation is vast and amazing and beautiful, there's a God who's even greater 
There's a God who sees it all, knows it all, fills it all, and yet that God invites you and me to know him. I think that's incredible. I, I know in religion we keep God at arm's length. We keep him at a distance. We think God is uncaring or he's, he's far away. But the reality is God has always, from the very beginning till now, has desired to be close to you and to me and to make himself known. He desires relationship. And central to any relationship is communication. If you've been married long enough, you know you can't have a good marriage without good communication. What's good communication? Yes, dear, I was wrong. It'll save you. No, okay. But, but, but there's communication is absolutely essential to every relationship. Working relationships, family relationships, and it's no different in your faith. God doesn't want to be a stranger. In fact, he sent Jesus because our sins had made relationship impossible. Our sins had created an impassable gap and gulf and only Jesus could cross it. That's why he paid the price to make a way for us, all of us, not just pastors, not just priests, and not just leaders in the church, but every single person can go to God. Every single person can approach the throne of grace, no matter how messed up your history has been, no matter what your story is like, whether you're religious or not, you can come to God through Jesus, and you can have a relationship where the God of the heavens and the earth reveals himself. It's the greatest invitation ever. We put our trust in people and systems and governments and kings and all kinds of things in the world and in the culture. But you know what the Bible says? Compared to God, Isaiah 40, 15, the nations are like a drop in the bucket. The nations themselves, the greatest things that man has ever built are nothing compared to the greatness of your God. So why make anything else your source but God? He's good. And he invites you and I to know him. He revealed himself to Abraham long before he showed up to that tent that we looked at last week and reminded Abraham and Sarah, is anything too hard for God? See, what was the promise? If you remember, Abraham and Sarah were, in fact, it started with Abraham. God said to Abraham, you're going to be a father of many nations. Leave where you are and go to a land I'm going to show you. So him and Sarah, they packed up and they moved everything they had at the promise of God. But while God said, you'll be a father of many nations, he still had not one child. In fact, not only did he have no children, he couldn't naturally have children. Him and Sarah were well past the age of childbirth, as we saw last week. And yet God visited them 20 years after he gave them the promise. But at the beginning of that moment, when God gave them the promise, Genesis 15, verse 1, it says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. What were these things? Well, if you look at the last chapter, Abraham you know, sometimes we picture Abraham, you know, Father Abraham. Had been, okay, that's all the singing I do from the platform. Uh, Abraham was, we picture him as like this sweet, nice, kind grandpa, like a Norman Rockwell painting, cozy by the fireplace while the kids huddle around and have him read stories. But did you know Abraham was also a fighter? You didn't know that, did you? Read Genesis 14. That's your, that's your homework tonight. Uh, he, here's what he does. His lot, a lot of his nephew has been taken captive. And, and in fact, there's this, this king who's taken captives from all these different cities. And Abraham, rather than look to somebody else, says, all right, boys, we're going to fight. And he gets his servants who are shepherds. But they're also Navy SEALs. And they get their weaponry and their swords. And they go to fight and they actually defeat an enemy that no other king in that region could defeat. 
he got back his nephew and these kings came to him and we won't read it all for time, but they came to him and a righteous king came as a picture of Jesus, a king and a priest, and he blessed Abraham, and Abraham responded by giving and, 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 and because he had been blessed. And there's that interaction. But then the king of Sodom, who represents immorality in the world and, and, and spiritual sin and darkness and separation, comes to Abraham and says, you can keep the goods that you won from this battle, just give me the people. In fact, in Hebrew, it says, give me the souls. The world is after something. And it's not, just our, it's not just what we can do for them, but the world is after. There's a spiritual battle over your identity, your calling, your purpose, and your eternity. And Abraham says, no, I'm not gonna keep anything that's yours because I don't want you thinking you're my source. But right after that whole interaction, see, at that time, you had to have allies to survive. You had to have neighboring cities and neighboring tribes protect you and enter into covenant with you. So he's basically cut himself off. And in Genesis 15:1, he's having a conversation with God and here's what God tells him. Abraham, you don't have to worry about what you said no to. Here's why. I'm your shield. <laughs> See, anytime we've said yes to God and it cost us. Yes to God and it meant surrendering something. It meant, it meant ending something. It meant, it meant no longer having certain influences and certain even relationships. And, and there's always these moments where we start to think, well, well, I've got to do something. Where, where's my hope? Where's my future? I've got to make things happen. And yet here's what he says. I'm your shield. I'm your protection. I'm your source. I'm your covering. I'm the one who's going to provide for you. And then he says, I'm also your reward. <laughs> There's nothing you've ever said no to that you don't gain something far greater in God. He says, I'm your reward. But, but here's what Abraham does. And to be honest, it's what I've done many times. And it's what many of us do when we're, we're reading the word and we're spending time in prayer. We're in church and we're hearing about God and his promise. And, but then we go to the one thing that still hasn't happened yet. None of you do that. That's just other people. That's the fir first and third service people. So, so here's what Abraham does. You're, you're blessed. I'm your shield. I'm your reward. And Abraham goes, yeah, but I still don't have a son. I, I, what are you going to do for me? You can read it. There he says, what are you going to do for me considering I don't have an heir? I don't have, you've blessed me. You've blessed my business. You've blessed everything concerning me, but I have nobody to give it to. But my employee, my servant, Eleazar, I have nobody to pass it on because I have no son. And God's response to him is, is very important. Here's what he says. Uh, verse 4, Behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said, This one shall not be your heir, but one who's going to come from your own body shall be your heir. And so he brought him outside. Abraham lived in a tent. He dwelt in a tent, nomadic people. And while he's in the tent, there's a ceiling to that tent. In other words, he's under shelter, but it's also limiting. How many times do we find security in the very thing that's the thing most holding us back? We find comfort even in dysfunction because we're used to it. And he's inside the tent, but God says, I want you to step outside, Abram. Because I just told you, Abram, you're going to have a son, but not only are you going to have a son, I want you to come outside and I want you to count with me. And he shows him the stars of the sky outside that he couldn't see inside. And he looks at the stars and God tells him, 
Start counting. Your descendants are going to be more numerous. What was God letting him know? God was saying, I, I don't want your faith limited by what you can't see, by what's keeping your vision lowered, what's keeping you restricted and held back. But I want you to see what I want you to see. I want you to recognize that, that the sky's the limit. I want you to look up and see nothing's impossible for God. And often our faith is limited by things like fear by our past, by the words and opinions of other people, people who said, you'll never be able to. It'll never change. You'll always be this way. And all those things become a ceiling. And honestly, we even begin to have a low view of God that becomes a ceiling. In fact, I've got two points. Number one is this, what is creating a lid on your faith? What is creating a lid on your faith? Anybody like Pringles? I love Pringles. Uh, they don't work in my diet right now, but I love Pringles. That's why I'm thinking of them right now. And Pringles are great, but you can't get the Pringle out without taking off the lid super deep. <laughs> Somebody will catch that in a second. And no matter what's inside, no matter what potential you and I have, no matter what promise we have, until our faith has the lid taken off, we'll never recognize what God intends to do. That's a step outside. Step outside of what... What, what does this look like? It looks like any time you're trying to take a step towards God, but you feel like your past is too big. It, it looks like you trying to pray and believe God's promise, but instead of that, you're limited by a low view of God that's been shaped by disappointment, discouragement, and what hasn't happened yet. See, God couldn't work with Abraham's, what are you going to do for me? I still don't have a son. No, God could work with Abraham counting stars. I think when we lose our, our view of who God is, I'm trying to paint a picture for the majesty of who our God is for you. And when we lose our worship, it's often a symptom of a low view of God. We've lost our awe. When, when you have an awe of God, you can't help but worship. You can't help but pray. You can't help but recognize who he is. And so God takes Abraham to step outside, to expand his view George Mueller was a, in the 19th century, was a man of prayer, evangelist, missionary, all those things. And what's, what's amazing about his life is he did two things that really stood out that he's known for. Is he, without any income source, provided for over 10,000 orphans. God would move on people's hearts and they would give and would take care of. Not only did they see 10,000 orphans clothed and brought off the streets and sheltered, but they also saw over 117 schools built. And he started with nothing but Jesus. He's a man of prayer. In fact, he wrote down and recorded every day. He'd write down what his prayers were so that he could keep a record of what God answered. And he said this about faith and prayer. I love this. He said, faith doesn't operate in the realm of the possible because there's no glory for God in that which is humanly possible. Faith begins where man's power ends. Faith begins where man's power ends. We, we say, and I, I've said this, this isn't bad or wrong. Don't misunderstand me. We've said things like, I believe in the power of prayer, and that's not bad, but it's not prayer as an activity that's powerful. It's that prayer connects us to a God who does miracles, who moves mountains, 
who heals the most broken heart, who can restore the most far gone life. And prayer connects you. Prayer is powerful because it's connected to a powerful God. Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. I want to look at a story. If you're taking notes, this is a second point for you today, and they, these points come from the story we're going to read in Mark 10. Faith-filled prayer takes the lid off. Faith-filled prayer takes the lid off. So whatever lid, whatever view, whatever thought that's, that's honestly contrary to God's word and will in your life that's keeping you limited from seeing God and his, his work, God wants to take that lid off. And honest, the, the greatest way this begins to happen is through faith-filled prayer, which is the heartbeat of relationship with God. And so as we look at this uh, story, I love this, Mark chapter 10, verse 46. Now they came to Jericho. It's Jesus and his disciples. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, a great multitude, and a great multitude followed him. Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. Here's what we know about Bartimaeus. He's sitting. He's begging because that's the only way he can provide for himself. And he's blind. So he can't see what's happening in front of him, but he hears something. Next verse, verse 47. When he heard that it was Jesus. He's sitting along the road. People traveling by on the way to Jericho and back have talked about his teaching and his miracles. And when he hears about Jesus it moves something inside of him. Because faith is more than just a statement of beliefs about God. It starts there, but it doesn't stop there. My pastor in Phoenix, uh, recently I heard him say this, and I just love this. He said, you can tell what somebody really believes about God by how they pray. You can tell whether they're still living in the tent or whether they're counting stars. You can tell whether their prayers are shaped by their fears and disappointments or whether they're shaped by faith. And, and so Bartimaeus, who's blind, that's his condition. His circumstance is not good, but he hears about Jesus. And watch what happens. He began to cry out. And he said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then many warned him to be quiet. These are the disciples. These are those following Jesus. They hear Bartimaeus crying out, Jesus. And, and yet they, they tell him, be quiet. What we're doing is more important. You, you, you're not following the religious steps. <laughs> we don't shout in our church. It's not our personality. To, to, to cry out like that. And yet Bartimaeus doesn't care because there's got to be something in you that says, I need God and I don't care about people's opinions. I'm going to love people, but they didn't die for me. And they can't change my circumstance. Bartimaeus doesn't worry about the opinion of the disciples who are experts. He cries out. Listen to this. I love this guy. They warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more. Oh, yeah. 
When, when you're at that place where you say, you know what, I don't, I don't, I don't care what, what the religious box has been. I don't care what people think. I've got a need. I've got to get a hold of Jesus. I have a diagnosis that nobody else can fix but Jesus. I have a need that nobody else can fill but Jesus. My kids are far from God. Nobody can reach them but Jesus. So I'm going to cry out all the more. And he does. And watch what happens. Jesus stood still. Do you know your prayers actually make heaven stand still? I, I, don't, I don't think, if we really believe that God can do what he said he'll do and prayer really does connect us to a God who moves mountains on our behalf, if we really believe that, we'd pray like it. And what would you pray for if there were no limits? What would you pray for if your past wasn't an equation? What would you pray for if your family history didn't define your future? What would you pray for if all the other voices that said you can't and you'll never got really quiet because all you heard was Jesus? He stood still. And he commanded him to be called. And all of a sudden the disciples, they came to the blind man and they said, be of good cheer, rise, he's calling you. God will have a way of changing people's opinions. You just, you just... Don't let that define your direction. Because all that matters is Jesus calling. All right. So he threw aside his garment. I don't know what you've got to lay down, throw aside, discard. Maybe it's even some bad theology. That's not shaped by God's word, isn't shaped by tradition. And it's kept you from believing fully the promise. I've had people come to me and say, how can you pray like that? You pray with confidence. And I go, it has nothing to do with me but I've gotten to know what his word says. Do you know people can memorize the entire Bible and have not an ounce of faith? I can be an expert. I can have more degrees in the thermometer about the Bible. I can have everything, and yet I can have zero faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, but it's about a heart of faith that's open to what he's saying. It says, teach me, God. Lead me. And allowing his word to transform our lives. So he throws aside his garment because he's not going to need it anymore. He rose and he came to Jesus and Jesus asked him what I think is a weird question. I'm going to be honest. It's from Jesus, so it's good. But it's a weird question to me. This man throws aside his garment and most likely has to be kind of led. He's trying to figure out where Jesus is because he's blind. And Honestly, it's semi-obvious what his need is, but Jesus asked him a very clear question. What do you want me to do for you? Why would Jesus ask him what's obvious? Well, we'll find out in just a second. But here's what he says, Rabbi, that I may receive my sight. Jesus said, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. A couple quick things about faithful prayer. If you're taking notes, jot these down. Faithful prayer needs to be this. It needs to be passionate. It needs to be passionate. He, he doesn't care what the limits are. He says, I need Jesus. And he prays with passion. It looks like this for him. Not an eloquent King James prayer. Not a, not a sophisticated prayer. You don't have to be an expert in prayer to pray. You just have to be like a child. I need you, God. I need you. I need your help. I need your grace. I need your strength. 
So we need to be passionate. And, and, and I found that things that don't really move me often don't move heaven. But if it moves me, it moves the heart of God because they said, be silent because they didn't realize the heart of God was that man being touched by Jesus. They, they, they missed what Jesus was here for. So we need to be passionate. He cries out. He doesn't pray a nice political, correct prayer. He doesn't say, oh, Jesus. Gentle Jesus, meek and mild, would you please, verily, verily, cometh to me. Because <laughs> some of us are so focused on trying to impress people with our prayers instead of getting a hold of heaven. That, that's what matters. And, and honestly, I said this last week, many people are intimidated by the Bible. They're also intimidated by prayer. Well, I don't, I don't feel like I have the right words. I don't know what to say. I don't know. No, it's just simply talking to God and receiving from God. And as we begin to do that and build confidence and relationship in him, his prayer made Jesus stand still. His cry. Next, we need to, faithful prayer needs to be precise. This is a big one. It needs to be precise. I told you George Mueller would write down, this is my prayer. He also wrote down how and when God answered it. And in his lifetime, he recorded, wrote down, handwritten, 50,000 prayers that were answered. And he said 30,000 of those answered prayers happened within the same day or the same week. Obviously 20,000 didn't, but here's the point. God answers prayers. Be precise. Why does he ask? Why does he say, what do you want me to do for you? Well, here's the thing. Vague prayers get vague answers. If I don't pray specifically, how am I going to know God answered that prayer? So let's be specific. Let's be precise. We need to be persistent. When the man was told to be silent, what did he do? He didn't stop. He pressed. He said, I'm going to get a hold of God. I'm going to get a hold of Jesus because I need him. Prayer needs to be persistent. I know we have this thing sometimes said and it doesn't come from the Bible. I'm sorry if I hurt anybody's feelings. We say, I, I have an unspoken prayer request. We may not want to talk to people about it, but talk to Jesus about it. Because the Bible says, I have not because I ask not. Go to Jesus. Do you know God sees every need we have? He cares about it. But we need to ask and we need to be persistent. The last one, is we need to be positive. Now, when I say be positive, I don't mean like, you know, have good feelings. That's good too, by all means. But be confident in God's word. I think the biggest thing that undermines people's faith and confidence is they don't know what God's will is. You know what the Bible says? If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. It's in 1 John. And if we ask according to his will, not only does he hear us, but if we know that he hears us, we know that we have what we've asked. Do you know why John, John wrote that, inspired by the Holy Spirit? 
John the Apostle, same one that saw that revelation I, I read earlier. But you know why he could have that confidence? Because he had a relationship with Jesus. And he knew God's will because he knew God's word. So when you know what his word says, you know how to pray. Not because you've memorized the Bible, by all means, but you've begun to discover you're, you have a God who makes and keeps promises. And now I can pray with confidence knowing that he hears me and he hears you. That's why the basis is we have a relationship with Jesus. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you desire, what you want. But the starting point isn't just asking what we want, it's being abiding in Jesus, relationship with Jesus, and letting his word shape our heart. And then we could pray with confidence, knowing what God wants to do. Trust him with the how, but know the person. One last verse, Hebrews 4.16. This is for everybody in here. Let us, therefore, in light of what Jesus has done and how he's a God who answers prayer, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace and help in time of need. I'm asking you to stand to your feet. No matter where you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what life has looked like, what hasn't happened yet, the answer is still the same. Go boldly to the throne of grace. I could never approach God. Well, that's what Jesus came to do, is to make a way for you and I to approach God, no matter who you are, no matter what your background is. I'm, I'm in an, in, eminently not qualified for 99% of the things I've ever done that God's told me to do. I can't even say the word eminently. But the one thing I've learned is that no matter what I need, as a dad, as a follower of Jesus, as a pastor, whatever it is, I can come boldly because I'm welcome there. I'm invited there. So are you. With whatever I need. We trust this message encourages you in faith and in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about River City Church, find us on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co.